Welcome, baseball fans. It is time once again for the Running the Bases podcast. I'm Tucker Wells, joined as always by Coach Jordan Bounds. Coach, how are you? Good, sir. Pretty good for a rainy Tuesday. Yeah, it is a little dreary outside, but full squads are now at spring training, so it just gets more and more bountiful each day. Um, We are doing our first podcast for the YouTube channel, so welcome to the video internet, Coach. I don't know if I want to be here. Well, do our best to protect you while we are. Um, So leading off, um, the Atlanta Braves have signed a certain ball player to a minor league contract. That ball player is none other than Jeff Francoeur. How excited are you to have Frenchie back in a Braves uniform? I'm not real excited. <laughs> I mean, I I don't really have anything against him. Uh, the uh, I don't think I think it's the Braves are throwing him a courtesy. They're giving him a play to a place to exhibit himself. I don't see any chance of him making the Braves. Yeah, I I don't mean that as a negative, but they they I mean he might be a better ball player than a couple of the guys that will that have guaranteed contracts that are going to be on the team. Yeah. Well, he is stepping into a rather crowded outfield situation to try and, uh, I think we're going to have the first seven man outfield and then a 12 man pitching staff. Um, you know, Frank, all we've signed and we've signed every middle infielder in the world. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It'll be a very interesting spring training to say the least, but, um, with Frank core though, he was such the face of the baby Braves. Would you say that? Or was it more a McCann? Well, it it his first couple of months it was him, yeah, uh, absolutely. But I mean, it certainly became McCann. Yeah, but the pride of Parkview and yeah, right. my long lost brother. If you can't if you can't tell, Frank Orr and I were separated at birth. So. Yes, right. So I'll be happy to see him back home again. Although I think he still lives here. Uh, I think so too. Yeah, he might live in Kansas City. I don't know. Yeah, but do you think it's just? I mean, he he just lost it or just couldn't couldn't. Oh, I think he was stubborn i think he didn't ever adjust he didn't make the adjustments that he needed to make he kept trying to jerk everything he yeah never saw a pitch he didn't like right right i mean and uh tried to pull everything i mean it's you know swung too hard yeah and that was that football mentality i guess yeah all right so uh, he was a very good outfielder an exceptionally good outfielder oh yeah and what a great swing just beautiful looking swing just too bad it didn't connect enough I thought it was. I thought it was very nice. Um, All right, so now going into uh, the majors, the Baltimore Orioles have indeed signed uh, Giovanni Gallardo, um, although it seems... Easy for you to say. (laughs) Although it seems to be pending a a, a question about his physical, but assuming that all clears, three years, $36 million, how do you feel about that deal for the Orioles? I still don't see the Orioles ready to compete in that division well now there really isn't great pitching anywhere in that division red sox got some pretty good pitchers they've got one exceptional pitcher and then they got a pretty good bullpen and they, the yankees have a very good bullpen you know uh but what do the orioles also have a pretty good bullpen yes that's true so and it's true you're you're right that i mean it is more of i just still don't see the orioles competing no, oh, I mean I see him competing. Uh, Show Walter will keep him there and keep him competitive, uh, but I, I don't, I don't see them winning the division. You think Show Walter has the highest uh, managerial war besides Madden? Just without looking it up, uh, without looking it up, 
what active in the game today. Yeah, uh, there is. I, I I don't know. I I couldn't say that. Uh, I I think it's really to give a, a figure like that on a, on a manager is really tough. Yeah, really I mean, tough. we talked about this a lot last year, going yeah. into last season, about how much a manager really affects wins and losses. You know, or the number directly affected, but. Showalter has worn his out his welcome in certain places. It seems as though Baltimore is a very good fit for him. Yeah. But I not there all the time. I can't say that for certain. Yeah. Well, they appear to be also closing in on one Mr. Dexter Fowler, um, who really is going to want that to happen, I would think, since full squads are reporting right now. Um, so if they get Dexter and do indeed sign Dexter Fowler, does it? Does it move the needle any more for you on the Orioles? A little bit more, yeah. The more ball players they have, the better they're going to be. You know, yeah. <laughs> you heard it here first. <laughs> yeah. Breaking news, but chemistry-wise too. I mean, the Red Sox, like we've said many times before, major chemistry issues. Considering if Hanley Ramirez is indeed their starting first baseman, so uh, they're. Am I placing too much value on the chemistry and the good time vibe in, in, in the Baltimore clubhouse? And the culture that, that Buck creates? Yeah, first of all, yeah, Buck creates a lot of that, I think. Uh, but I don't know that uh, culture is more important. It may be more important in certain cities and in certain situations than it is in others. I think there is... Uh, more of a psychological strain on in certain markets, uh, your Boston's, your New York, Chicago's, uh, where the it may turn a team inward where there needs to be more chemistry than there would be in uh, other places and it might be totally opposite and i might not know what i'm talking about but <laughs> yeah that happens from time to time yes you don't but um no it's a good point i mean you know baltimore um is not boston it's not the boston media but dc gets gets can be vicious too so i don't know i think that the al east is pretty wide open it could be one of the more wide open divisions in the in the league but we'll get to that you know uh after we actually see some baseball mm-hmm. um and then finally, uh, Jose Bautista, um, contract negotiations with him have taken an interesting turn. You told me about this. Uh, he, he he gave them a godfather offer? Yeah, pretty much. Uh, and the uh, it may he might be able to get away with it uh, mm-hmm. because they may be in a situation, kind of a Joe Maurer situation, when the Twins – had to sign Joe Maurer when he was way too old to a long contract. Uh, And he's not giving them a hometown discount either. He's getting paid. Uh, Yeah. And uh, went way beyond, you know, kind of a pools kind of uh, contract. Uh, Seven years and 180 mil. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Considering where he was at. Sure. And, uh, but they kind of had to do it. Uh, Minnesota, uh, as they're going into their new ballpark, they had to have the hometown. He was their face uh, too much. And uh, so, you know, they had to do it. Just as we had to sign Maddox the one year where 
the Braves, uh, he took their qualifying offer, uh, which nobody figured he would. But yeah. um, the was it a qualifying? Or I guess it was an arbitration. Yeah, I think it was a, it was a qualifying sure. uh, offer, you know, and they didn't think he would accept it, and he did. And yeah. They may have called it something different uh, at that time, but uh, regardless, uh, I you know I think Bautista may be in a position right now where Toronto has to sign him. Yeah, well, thirty five years old as of the recording of this podcast. Right. So, and I did not look at uh, how many years uh, he told them he wanted and said nobody. Extensions. I don't think anybody knows. Yeah, uh, but. Um, but he's definitely not going to give them a hometown discount. No. Discount. He correct? said he didn't believe in the hometown discounts. Yeah, and really, Toronto is not his hometown. He's played for like twenty different teams. Yeah, I know. So, and he remarks how he was underpaid there, uh, and, and he was. You know, he's, yeah. You know what? Your fact of war. I mean, he was kind of a five war year guy. Yeah. Um, so if they if if this doesn't get settled before the start of the season. Um, how much do you think it affects the Toronto team, the Toronto clubhouse? Oh, I don't know. I don't yeah. know. I don't know the chemistry or anything in that clubhouse, but generally. Well, Bautista's a little bit of a hothead. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he just, he, he likes to flip bats in a rather flippant way. He, look, he, uh, it is, I think he's going to get paid. And I think he's all, you know, he is one of the more, social media savvy ball players and he's got that working for him in toronto he follows yeah. us yeah there you go jose uh, bautista thank you for following yeah, running right. the bases so. uh i you know i so i think he's going to get paid but um he'll you know and if he doesn't he's liable to be playing you know like beast you know uh just to show everybody that he can he, he will be a free agent you know yeah that's true he'll do a cespedes perhaps yeah. um all right anything else before we go first to third here no, i don't think so all right so going first to third today we are going to talk about cheaters dirty awful cheaters or perhaps they're just really good at gamesmanship um for this debate, we are going to exclude the PED users. So with apologies to Mark McGuire, Barry Bonds, Rafael Palmero at all, this is not about the, the, the steroid users. Um, we're talking about those who became famous or perhaps infamous for affecting the outcome of the game through the doctoring of balls and the, the, uh, the corking of bats. So this is an age-old riddle, a debate in baseball, is cheating within the lines uh, craftsmanship or simply foul play? And the prime example that comes out that you and I both thought of and is uh, near and dear to Braves fans um, would be Kent Herbeck. Uh, 1991 World Series, he pulls Ron Gant off the base. Gant is called out. Uh, a, 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 a World Series won by the, by the narrowest of margins. Was that cheating or was that gamesmanship? Or well, let me take that back. Was that gamesmanship or foul play? What Herbeck did. I, I think it is from a brave standpoint. It looks just like bullying, pushing somebody off the base, and it did from the third base dugout, yeah. the camera angle that we had. But if you look at it from the umpire's view, 
uh, the umpire who is behind him, it does look like Gant's momentum takes him uh, around the base. And that's craftsmanship. That is that is gamesmanship, if that's what Herbeck was doing. does Is he forever a villain in our mind? So yes. Uh, and... He, he was such a big guy too that you know, and yeah. he didn't have enough vowels in his name, and you know there was just <laughs> all sorts of things that were wrong. He was about like him. Drago in Rocky IV. There you go, then yeah. very similar name, you know. Uh, just saying, if I got stuck next to him at the airport bar, I'm not buying him a drink. There you go. In Me fact, either. I'd probably move down to a there to a more in, empty area. And but it anyway. happened to Ronnie too, you know. Yes, so. I know. One of my favorites, but yeah. gamesmanship. I mean. It, you know, in, in if if replay is existing back then, does that call get reversed? I think replay did exist back then. Well, oh, you mean uh, calling or having yeah. uh, the decision? Uh, Video. Oh, review. yes, yes, it does. Absolutely, yes, absolutely. Yeah, which may bring up an odd: is the eighty-five Deckinger play is that cheating? Yeah. <laughs> Was that just good craftsmanship uh, you, or gamesmanship? Yeah, there are a lot of them that you can say with that. Yeah, and then. Um, for you, you say that the the king and still champion is John McGraw. Uh, of all time, I mean, in terms of, he's the one that has more of the fabled stories, you know, about him. I mean, and so much of it is because when he played, and I'm talking about when he played, not when he managed. Uh, right. When he played, there was one umpire, and. Uh, often his eyes are diverted, and McGraw was famous for uh, ho- as a third baseman holding people at third base when they were tagging up. I mean, uh, turning around and holding his belt loops and stuff so the guy couldn't take <laughs> off. He tripped people all the time. Uh, he is in 1894. Uh, they're playing. Uh, in Boston, and he goes over and starts a fight with the opposing third baseman. The fight goes into the stands. The stands erupt. A riot ensues, and 170 buildings in the neighborhood were destroyed. <laughs> I don't know if that's dirty, you know, but uh, I know as a manager... That's kind of like the, the middle of the Venn diagram is <laughs> right. what that is. <laughs> yeah, it is. Uh, I, I know that as a manager, he had to have police escorts on and off the field every place he played. You know, he was so vilified. Yeah. John Rocker, too. Anyway, yeah. um, moving right along. Yeah. I thought we were, weren't going to mention PED users. Right, exactly. Or just idiots. Um, <laughs> yeah. But, you know, the, the cheating in baseball, like you just said, is part of the lore of it. It's part of the mythos. Um, and... Do you think that revisionist history? I mean, it, I mean, let me let me take that back. Um, well, let, let me let me take over. You're the as to what is, uh, what is craftsmanship? What is gamesmanship? And what is just plain dirty? Uh, is evident, I think. And you look. You mentioned this earlier. We have pitchers that have doctored the ball, that have thrown spitballs and whatever, and then we have hitters that have corked bats. The fines are basically the same. Uh, I mean, and the it's usually a 10-game suspension. Uh, it's been that way forever. 
Uh, but the pitchers, if you look at the famous ones, the, the Preacher Rose, the uh, Whitey Fords, the Don Suttons, and of course, you know, the greatest, uh, Gaylord Perry, oh, yeah. uh, even uh, Lou Burdett's, and even the ones like Joe Necro who gets caught flipping the uh, the yeah. thing out of his pocket. There have been several that, that's happened to Although what, what Sutton did was even better. Well, yeah, well, Sutton was searched all the time, and he used to hide notes in his uniform that the umpire, dirty notes that the umpires yeah. would find things that were lots of words uh, that we can't, can't right. really say right here. Um, so, well, we're assuming we know what those words are. Right. Uh, the, uh, it's, um, Sutton was suspended once for 10 games and then threatened a lawsuit or something. And somehow or another, the suspension just went away because they couldn't prove it. Or I guess, um, yeah, sure. The, uh, I mean, Whitey Ford was famously talked about how he uh, actually he didn't doctor the ball so much as Elston Howard, his catcher, would who would catch the ball and then uh, as he's about to throw it back, scrape it on the ground next to him or on his shin or on his uh, shin guard and throw it back. That to me is true craftsmanship. Yes, that's I, gamesmanship, right? right there. I mean, and that it's the hidden ball trick, right? Uh, and. Uh, he threw a mud ball. He talked about Whitey Ford was, uh, I mean, it, uh, Whitey Ford talked about it too, that uh, I think in 63, I, don't, I may be wrong about that, but uh, he talked about how if players that were, if the, during his time, if players were making as much money as they are today and i'm not sure what year that was that he would have continued to doctor balls all the time and play until he was 40 right uh well you know at at the turn of the century it was it was nothing but straight fastballs in the game of baseball that was that was the like the lone pitch the fastball and the changeup and when the curveball was introduced um and i forget who the pioneer of the candy cummings yes thank you um, wasn't it the president of Harvard who said that that was cheating? Oh, right. Yeah. Yeah. So you know, or it might have been Yale. It's one or the other. One of them. One of the one of the Ivy League schools. But that the curveball was considered cheating at one point, and you know, Gaylord Perry is in the Hall of Fame. Right. So so is Whitey Ford. Yeah. So is Don Sutton. Yeah, I have one for you though that um, uh, I think should have been reprimanded a little little stronger. The the, the putting. You know, not just the scuffing of balls, because you could argue that a ball gets scuffed through the regular course of events in a game, right? But if you were to rub something, a, a substance on the ball, I think to Kenny Rogers in the 06 World Series that um, I'm amazed that he didn't get thrown out of that game. Uh, the foreign substance on his hand and with HD television, you could see in that game, too, where there were these really odd darkened areas of his hat that right. he kept touching very specifically and i was at a sports bar in st louis and everybody was screaming at the television about that and of course it was the only game the tigers won in that world series so um does something like that is that is that just foul play no no that, no this putting this a foreign sick. substance on the ball that you can't find on the field that's what Gaylord Perry and Whitey Ford and Lou Burdett and Don Sutton and all of them have been doing forever. That's, That's what I mean. Uh, I mean, uh, they're prior to their doing away with the spitball rule. There were pitchers 
who that was their pitch. Yeah. You know, I mean, uh, Eddie Sicotti, the you know from we're, we're talking about cheaters, uh, the uh, yeah. the great White Sox pitcher from 1919. Uh, the uh, he threw a spitball. That was his number one pitch. Yeah. Um, Let's see if we got any. Um, so who is considered to be uh, who's like the 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 original um, uh, ball doctor, if you will? Um, trying to bring in the, uh, uh, what is it, Nels Potter. Uh, how how can I lead into Nels Potter better? Yeah, who was first person suspended? Yeah. So in the history of pitchers doctoring balls, who was the first to get caught? Uh, Nels Potter. The, uh, well, I mean, he was the first suspended. I, who was first to get caught? I don't know. They probably yeah. some probably. 18 probably on some civil war battlefield somebody yelled out quit doing that at the ball you know i mean it's been done forever as soon as somebody realized well if i put this on there uh the uh whoo uh the uh so i mean and it was probably you know from the beginning so, but who was the first suspender was nels potter in 1944 got a 10 game suspension and it's what it's kind of remained that way forever yeah do you think it's amazing that it's still 10 games um, no, I think it's just kind of lazy. Yeah. Uh, the, uh, and it, it's that way for all of these people that, uh, use cork bats as well. Yeah. I think the corking bats is probably a lot more prevalent than we're aware. Yeah. I, I may, and today it's probably, you know, there, there may be transistors in bats. Who knows? Yeah. You know, uh, Something that emits a little electrode right, right at the point of contact. Right. Who yeah. Knows? Well, again, you know, we, we're not calling out the PED users who put the electrode inside of their right, muscles. Right. So, um, but in the in the area of cork bats, special uh, props to uh, Sammy Sosa uh, for cheating on both ends of the spectrum. We will give special credit to that. Yeah. Um, but when it comes to cork bats, you can't go without saying Norm Cash. That's the, well, Norm the champion Ca- of getting away with it. Uh, he said he used one during the whole 1961 season, and if that's the M&M boys year, but the CC boys, Cash and Calavito. And if you look at what uh, Norm Cash hit 361 or something like that, I don't know. He, I mean, he, he he had just an unbelievable season. Uh, yeah. He said that I used a cork bat the whole time. And then went on to, I think, show Sports Illustrated how to cork the bat. Yeah. Oh, good. Very informative. Kids, you can go look that up. But there are people like Amos Otis talked about how he used a cork bat his whole career. Talks about it after his career. And uh, maybe the most famous one was Albert Bell's, where it was put into the uh, umpire locker, and then another ball player uh, crawls through the uh, heating shafts and everything into the uh, uh, umpire's locker room and swaps the bats. But then he still got suspended for 10 games. Yeah, I think Mission Impossible had just come out or right. something. Must yeah. have. Uh, my favorite one is Wilton Guerrero. Wilton who, Guerrero. Tell yeah. us about Wilton Guerrero. When he his bat exploded, and instead of going on to the base or anything, he just starts diving on the, on the ground <laughs> and starts picking up all the pieces to his bat. Because that's not suspicious at all. No, no. No one would think to look at what might have been in that bat. No one would have thought Wilton Guerrero had a cork bat. <laughs> <laughs> I take it he wasn't the greatest hitter but, of all time. But, but you see, I mean, the hitters are, are instantly vilified. Uh, True. We, whereas the pitchers, you know, we 
why, when you start watching Gaylord do all of this stuff where he's, you know, doing these things all over his body, and he's like letting you know, I'm probably loading up right here, and you don't know which time. I mean, that we're, we're looking at that, and we're loving it. Yeah, what do you think was the best place to hide the Vaseline or the, the pine tar mixture? Well, I think it still remains hair. Yeah? Just yeah. The, Look at Clay Buckholtz. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I always thought right under, right under the cuff of the pant leg, because you always look like, you know, you can always see players adjusting their stirrups and their, so. Now it gets suspicious. Yeah. The, well, uh, um, I think special mentions got to be thrown when we're talking hitters to George Brett. I mean, he cheated and he had too much pine tar. I don't. <laughs> and he made an iconic moment out of it. Is yeah. that not, is that not in the same, in the same specter as the pine tar, there are all sorts of people that had pine tar all over their bats then. Uh, Brett wasn't the only one. It was not something that, I mean, just pine tar itself gave you an advantage, just like batting gloves do. Sure. Yeah. Uh, it wasn't making the ball jump off the bat any, you know, when it hit it or anything. I mean, it was, it's like a, a decorative rule. Yeah. Um, so, it, yeah, it, and I, I forget why. I mean, the Yankees were just trying to get him on a technicality as it is. So, Billy yeah. Martin. Yeah, there you go. Um, it's a very Billy Martin thing to do. Um, now, you know, an individual will get vilified, but uh, I, I never knew this. The 51 Giants. Uh, 51 Giants. Uh, did it as a team. The greatest cheating team of all time, not fixing games. Leo's club is 13 and a half games out in late August. They end up winning the pennant, uh, you know, catching the Dodgers in the last game of the year. Uh, the uh, 50, Herman Franks uh, was a coach then who would spend every game in the clubhouse, which was in center field with his telescope, looking <laughs> at the catcher's signs. When he got the sign, he would, in picking up, a catcher signs. If you can see those, that's uh, you know greatly to your advantage. Uh, yeah. The I mean, and they're because e- they're easy to read. It's not like uh, a third baseman's sign. Or, I mean, third base coach's signs, which are you know they they have indicators and all this sort of stuff. Understand the a pitcher catcher signs real quickly. But You're he, looking at the dealer's hand in a game right. of blackjack. Yeah. Right. And he, uh, but he then would either ring a bell or push a buzzer, let somebody in the bullpen know what the pitch was. This was signaled into the third base coach who told the hitter. And uh, this pretty well, this is not apocryphal. Everybody pretty much, there have been enough Dodgers to admit to this. I mean, Giants to admit to this over the years. Uh, there are many people that think that Thompson knew what pitch was coming when he hits yeah. the shot heard around the world that the shot heard around the world was he knew it was going around the world right right yeah that's amazing hey they deserve credit for creating such a rune goldberg machine there you look at the but even that uh whereas we look at that as cheating that seems uh but if a coach on the field sees the catcher sticking his hands down too far. The fingers are below his thighs. And that uh, coach is able to see those signs is then telling the hitter what the what pitch is coming, indicating to the hitter what pitch it is. Is that uh, cheating? Right. And what about 
grounds crew cutting grass a certain length depending on what teams come into town. The Bossard, or B-O-S-S-A-R-D family, famous uh, throughout the Midwest, I mean, uh, Chicago, Cleveland, the greatest uh, ground crews are ground keepers of all time. They, uh, in Wrigley, or in the Cleveland, Emil uh, Bossard used to move the uh, the move removable fences in and out depending on what team was coming in. When the Yankees came in with all their power, they moved those fences way back. That's awesome. Uh, the uh, <laughs> I mean, and it was it was legal. They, I think we should bring that back and make it official. <laughs> I think well, fences should be uh, on a well, slider. Well, Bill Beck wanted to do it according to the hitter that was up. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Uh, well, big Bill Beck wanted to do a lot of things. So. Yeah, right. Uh, the Bossard used when in Cleveland, uh, they used to freeze the balls. You know when yeah. they had you know Feller and Garcia and Lemon and uh, Wynn and all those pitchers. Uh, they in Chicago they used to, the the grass. Uh, it was really both at Wrigley and at um, in Comiskey in those days, but the grass was so thick. Uh, and they had all these sinker ball pitchers like Tommy John and uh, Gary Peters and stuff like that. Would just uh, ground would just eat up the grounders. Uh, they would soak the field uh, when it, uh, Tommy John was going to pitch. It was like a swamp. Yeah. And I think, I mean, that's incredible gamesmanship right there. And is that cheating? No. I Hey, if I was playing a team, well, I don't even want to go there. <laughs> yeah. The, uh, <laughs> I should ask you that. What was the most uh, gamesmanship thing that you got away with, both as, as a player and then a manager? Uh, I don't even want to talk about it as a player. I, we had a – there was a year, and I had – a great second baseman to do this with. I don't want to mention his name. It might be a lawyer now or something. Uh, but we had a my the base at second was broken, and the metal stob that goes into the socket was like cut in half. It was it was real unsturdy on the base, and and it would often happen where you would slide into it and the base would come up. But it was still kind of shaky. And my second baseman, when we talked about it, he'd go over there with, there's a runner on second base. He'd like start to move the bag and like look at him like we'd get up and the guy get up and he'd tag him out. <laughs> the, uh, we, and the ump would uphold that? Sure. <laughs> I find that to be amazing. Astounding I, even. I, I'll say that the worst thing that I used to do, and I got caught on it, and sometimes they, I got away... I didn't get away with it as much as I tried it. I'll say that, but sure. uh, the uh, I realized high school's different mentality, and but the uh, there were times if I might have a runner at third that I had to get in. It's late in the game, and uh, the it is my batter is not you can't hit water swinging from a boat, and the uh, pitcher goes into a stretch uh, and then I just time and I start walking <laughs> across the uh, the umpire or the coaching box the pitcher will stop I'm an adult it just called time <laughs> <laughs> and uh, well that's bulk yeah third <laughs> but, baseman can't call time no I mean as third base coach yeah you know. thir- third base coach can't call time that's correct that's exploiting the rule book see that there's the in- other interesting wrinkle in this debate is that the rules of the game allowed for, like, John McGraw. John McGraw could never get away with those things in a three, four-man 
umpiring crew. Um, so playing to the uh, loopholes in the game, if you will, you have a particular favorite, and I love this story, uh, of Mr. King Kelly. King Kelly back in the 19th century. Uh, this is the greatest <laughs> use of cheating in gamesmanship, I think, I, I I've ever ret- heard of. i got to retract, though, for a second to say it was wrong for me to enter in uh, to influence the outcome of teenagers' lives by doing things that was gamesmanship on my part. Well, you'll pay but, for it in the end. Ah, uh, yes. I'm, <laughs> yeah, I'm sure of that. But all right, King Kelly. Uh, I, it is a great story where he is on the bench at one day, and in those times, to announce what to, era is this? This is 19th century, 18. I think he's playing for the Chicago White Stockings. But I'm yeah. The uh, he. Uh, in those days, to make a change on the field, you would just have to yell to the press box, uh, you know, Kelly in for Chase and Kelly in for Miller. Uh, there was once a looping line drive. He's not on the field. He's in the dugout, and there's a looping line drive that's coming toward the dugout, and he just yells out, uh, Kelly in for Miller, and catches the ball. He's out because he yep. just put himself in the game. Uh, I think it's just he was he did things like this all the time. He was also this was back in the day where with one umpire you'd have somebody cut across the infield, go from yeah. first to third. You know, it would be the equivalent in this day and age of a basketball player running off the bench and catching an alley oop. Right, <laughs> right. It, it's it's almost globe trotter esque at times. Yeah. Um. You know the. Obviously, when you think of the word cheating, you can't help but think the 1919 Black Sox scandal. Fixing games, I mean, that's clearly just foul play. That's dirty play, in, as opposed to what we're describing as craftsmanship or gamesmanship. So when you think about cheating and you think about the 1919 White Sox, what, what are your thoughts about how they, how that, how that fits into the into the mythos and lore of baseball? gamesmanship or cheating as it is if you've read the book eight men out you realize how much comiskey has put uh a strain on these ball players we know the way they were treated as chattel back in those days uh sure and uh gambling was very prevalent uh Hal Chase, uh, who was a good ball player, he was first suspected, I think, of uh, fixing games in 1910. Uh, in 1970, he was suspended by his own manager, Christy Mathewson, who, you know, the Christian gentleman, nobody uh, questions him, for fixing sure. games. In 1918, one of his teammates uh, accuses him of trying to bribe him. Uh, in 1919, he's suspended again uh, for fixing games. In 1920, he's suspended from the Pacific Coast League for trying to bribe umpires. This is somebody, he's getting caught. This is the same time that the White Sox uh, fix these games in the World Series. And we all know, uh, I mean, or I guess we don't know, but I mean, uh, maybe Joe Jackson didn't have anything to do with it. There's uh, the... The fact that he and maybe Lefty Williams had their uh, 
their wives threatened and all this sort sure. of stuff. Uh, I mean, it's an ugly th- uh, thing. Buck Weaver does you know, go to his grave saying he didn't have anything to do with it. Um, it's it's a sad thing. I mean, and uh, thankfully, I mean, you know, baseball may have done something. Right. I can't say they did something right by getting Kennesaw Landis, but by addressing that problem and correcting it, uh, the uh, they may have saved the game. And then Babe Ruth may have to. Yeah, Babe Ruth may have had something to do with yeah, that. Right. Possibly. He was pretty well known. The very next year. Yeah, how perfect the timing. Um, and then, you know, kind of finally, Pete Rose. This debate comes up every year. It just came up again recently about his reinstatement and all these different things. So where does Pete Rose fit into the history of cheating? Is he foul play completely for the fact that he bet on baseball while an active baseball player and yes it is. i mean it is foul play that he did that it is the unforgivable sin baseball like all of america always believes in second chances and sure. third chances and i don't know how many times sparky lyle was or not sparky lyle oh forgive me uh who was it uh who who was that uh reliever left-hander pitch for uh, both the Dodgers and the Yankees, who was caught doing cocaine several times. Uh, oh, I don't know. It's Steve Sachs comes he, to mind for me. No, no, he's I, second baseman. Uh, he was a pitcher, a relief pitcher. Uh, I think he was left-handed. But at any, I mean, we give second and third and fourth chances, and uh, but you don't for gambling on the game. That's the one thing you don't. Yeah. Now, do I believe that? Does this vilify Pete Rose? Yes, it does. And his behavior, uh, although somewhat philanthropic, uh, his flaunting of baseball, setting up across from the Hall of Fame and selling you know, uh, overpriced memorabilia and then bragging about it, that hasn't been uh, – he's still a villain. Steve uh, Howe, by the way. Steve Howe. That's Steve Howe. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the, uh, and, but I don't think – I saw Pete Rose's whole career. I cannot believe that he ever fixed a game. Right. Yeah. He he played. or that he he didn't play less than his hundred percent. Yeah, and that therein lies the rub about the nineteen nineteen White Sox is that it was the fact they were throwing games as talented as they were that in the guise of those who are fans of the game think it's so horrible. But it went on like that from the very beginning. The eighteen seventy seven uh, Louisville Club. Uh, has the first four people that I think that were suspended from baseball for life. Jim Devlin uh, was a pitcher, one of, uh, but that club was they fixed so many games. I mean uh, that they just disbanded the very next year. I mean yeah. they they had had this incredible record and then lose ten in a row. You know, kind of once yeah. they've clinched everything. Well, uh, the fifty-one Giants story, like if Thompson really knew what pitch was coming. I mean, isn't that kind of the same as I don't know <laughs> knowing Pitch, well, uh, knowing let, at what point the fix is in or something. <laughs> the let me say one thing with that. It is not there are every baseball team the you try to get the other team signs right away. Right. Uh, I mean that that's something you. I mean, and 
whether it's the catcher signs to the infield, you know, as to what how they're going to play a stolen base, or whether it's the third base coaches signs, or uh, and if the catcher is bad enough where he's giving them away, sitting there with his leg open or something like sure. that, you're going to take those. Uh, it's part of the game. Uh, part of the there, chess match. Right, there perhaps. is there are a lot of hitters uh, who don't want to know what pitch is coming. Uh, the uh, they start thinking about it too much, and I mean, yeah. you don't want to think Makes too sense. much when you're you're hitting. I mean, a lot of them. Uh, but so I don't know. Take it for what it's worth. I I mean that Bobby Thompson knew. Maybe he was one of those who didn't want to know. You know, but yeah. I mean the indications. I mean, people have kind of indicated that he did know. Yeah. So so of all those, who was your favorite? Who was your personal favorite? Uh, my personal favorite cheater. Cheater, yeah. For the way that they they pulled their games, because you admit to your to your own uh, yeah, I, sins I, there, within there the is, base path. There so. is a uh, a larceny in the heart that rings true with yeah. uh, baseball craftsmanship. I um <laughs> the the image I still have of Wilton Guerrero scampering around on the field trying <laughs> to pick up his bat. That's uh, but. I, the, I think the image that I'll have is got to be of Gaylord. Yeah. For so long, just doing all of that stuff and just <laughs> all over his body. And everybody's sitting there just glued to him. He's probably already loaded up. And he, he admitted that he'd go games where he wouldn't throw, but he'd go through all that stuff and people knew. You know? yeah. And there's an old story that if you go to his house and North Carolina, you can never get in because your hand just slides right <laughs> off the, the handle each time you reach for the door. Yeah. My, Sorry. My, no, it's 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 perfect. I mean, my favorite's still George Brett, even though it's not technically <laughs> cheating. It's just, it's I know, it's too great. It's too great of a clip. I'll give you a final hot take, though. One of the greatest cheaters of all time in the history of baseball is the commissioner's office, is baseball itself for putting juiced balls into place starting in 1920 and allowing for juiced players in the late 90s. Right. Oh, well, that's that's for certain. They are facilitating these things. So, yes. all right. So as we come into home, what are you most looking forward to uh, as games start up next week? Uh, I am looking. You know, I saw uh, today, I saw Justin Upton in a Tiger uniform. And I, yep. uh, I'm, I'm just waiting to hear the sounds. Yeah, that's oh, yeah. The, right now that that's all. I know when I coach, play, whatever the uh, hearing cleats on asphalt, hearing the. Pop, 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 oh yeah, that's you know that's what it's all about. Check um, out the sounds of baseball podcast because uh, yeah, we did talk about that the the thwap of the ball going across all the 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 rows of pitchers and catchers. Yeah. Did we call it a thwap? I call it a thwap. Oh, okay, what do you call it? I don't know. I don't know that a I pop? can say thwap. That a thwap. <laughs> I'm not certain. Yeah. But I, yes, I do look forward to that. Just the sounds and the smells and the sights of the green grass down in Florida. It's the aesthetic. It is the aesthetic. All right. Well, thank you as always to everyone listening in internet radio land and now watching us on our YouTube channel. So, hey, so um, you can find this podcast on runningthebases.com as well as the link to the YouTube channel. Uh, download the podcast on soundcloud.com slash running the bases or on iTunes. So for Coach Bounds, who's right there in case you weren't familiar, <laughs> um, I'm Tucker Wells. This has been the Running the Bases podcast. We're coming into home and we're safe. Coach, have a good night. Good night.